Hello, Mama. Welcome to the Healing After Birth podcast. This is Jennifer Sommerfeld, your host from JS Coaching, author and creator of the Healing After Birth program and guidebook. This is a podcast for moms who want to explore matters of the heart. If you can relate to any of the following, this podcast is for you. Are you struggling with motherhood? Are you having a hard time during the postpartum period? Did you have a difficult, challenging, or traumatic birth experience? Do you want to learn more about postpartum mental health? Do you want to cultivate healthy, thriving relationships? Are you inspired to take charge of your healing? This podcast includes both interviews by professionals in the field of maternal health, as well as vulnerable stories shared by everyday mothers like you. In today's podcast, I have as a guest, Debbie Bridge. Debbie was a self-improvement junkie until five years ago when she was introduced to self-inquiry. That's when she learned that there is no need for self-improvement, that it's our confused stories about ourselves and others that cause us stress, and that we can free ourselves from those stories through inquiry. Debbie attended the School for the Work of Byron Katie, which is a method of self-inquiry in 2014. Since then, self-inquiry has been her daily awareness practice. She's also broadening her studies of self-inquiry through immersive teachings with the Innerland Institute, where she's discovering that self-inquiry is more than a methodology. It's a way of thinking, living, and being. So I want to welcome Debbie on our podcast. Hi, Hi, Jennifer. Hi, I'm super excited you're here. And just to let our listeners know, um, Debbie is a colleague of mine, and we have been engaging in some really awesome conversations over the past couple weeks. And I thought it'd be appropriate to bring Debbie on the show so that we could have this conversation on the podcast. And most recently, I just presented to a group of moms and spoke about the idea of mental and emotional fitness. And I think, Debbie, what it is that you're passionate about is a perfect example of mental Mm. fitness. So um, I thought we could start Mm -hmm. there. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and let you jump in. And just, uh, again, I, I just wanted to note that I am hearing some background noise. Okay. Um, so just if, if whatever's going on. There, I tried. I went into another we room. Could... My dogs are around me. Awesome. <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay. So if there's background noise, it's, it's Debbie's dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Hi. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah. Do you, do you want to start with the idea of mental fitness and what is self-inquiry and your understanding of it? Hmm. Okay, so self-inquiry, well, the, the method of the work of Byron Katie, which is where I first started learning about self-inquiry, is um, it's a method of just questioning your stressful thinking. So um, the work is four specific questions and what, she, what Byron Katie calls turnarounds. Um, Byron Katie is a woman who um, developed this method. Um, and so when I went to the school for the work in, in California, it's a 10 day program and, uh, yeah, just immersed in it. Um, yeah. So it's a meditative process, awareness, practice, self-realization. Um, I could just tell you what the four questions are real quick so that people aren't wondering. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Mm -hmm. the first part of the work is identifying what your stressful thought would be. So for instance, Mm. if I'm having a stressful thought around my child, I'm parenting, maybe, you know, I've got a 13 year old who I believe is disrespecting me. 
So my child is disrespecting mm. me. That, that one seems to cause a lot of stress in parents feeling like they're being disrespected. Mm-hmm. So I would find a situation, perhaps I told her to clean her room and she wasn't listening. And maybe she even said something that I think is disrespectful. So I'd meditate on that moment in time. I would see myself there with her. Uh, I'd even hear the words that she said to me. And I would then go, she's disrespecting me. And the first question is, is that true? And the invitation is to settle on a yes or a no. Just simply settle on a yes or a no. Let the mind show me all its proof. And then ask myself, is it true? And perhaps I say yes. So the next question is, can you absolutely know that that's true? Which sounds virtually the same, but it is slightly different. It's a little bit deeper. In that situation, and the invitation is to try to stay in one situation, in that situation, can I absolutely know that it's true that she's disrespecting me? And again, the invitation is to settle on a yes or a no. And perhaps this time I just see a little bit more space around it. I, I might be a little more curious. There might be things about disrespect that I don't really understand. Maybe I don't really know what's going on inside my daughter. Maybe I can't really know for sure if that's what's going on. So I find a no. And the third question, in that situation, how do I react? What happens when I believe she's disrespecting me? And I notice that when I'm there and I'm seeing the way my daughter's talking to me and I believe she's disrespecting, I get tight inside. My shoulders are stressed and, and, and tight. My throat closes up a little bit and I get angry. I feel angry mm-hmm. and I feel out of control. That sense of being out of control is also really common in parents. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm losing control of this situation and I've got to get hold of it. So I'm going to now... How do I treat her when I believe that? I start yelling at her maybe or speeching Mm. her or um, I look around her room and it just looks so messy to me and I start to feel overwhelmed by all the things in my life that are messy and just if my daughter could just clean her room. So there's all kinds of ways that we might Mm. react. I might remember how my mother talked to me about cleaning my room and I think, well, I did what I was told. Why can't my daughter do what she's told? so on and so on. So we just really explore that moment and see how that thought comes to life for us. Hmm. And then after we explore that, we go into question four, which is a bit of a um, thought experiment is the way I like to look at it. Who or what would I be or what might be different in that same situation, everything happening just the same. She still talks to me the way she did. What if this time I didn't hold the belief that she was disrespecting me? What might be different? And this really is a meditative process. It's not thinking my way through it. It's letting life Mm. show me or answering maybe from my heart or somewhere else. What would be different if I didn't hold that belief? And sometimes, Jennifer, it takes a little bit of stillness and you have to wait. Mm. It's like ask and then wait for the answer. It's not ask and look for the answer. It's ask and wait for the answer to appear. So it takes some patience. Mm. And I just notice in my own meditation here as I go through that, as I see that I kind of just stormed into her room without asking, without knocking. Mm. 
I didn't really connect with her first. I just, did you clean your room yet? And I just started in on her. So I'm starting to notice my part in this interaction between us. Without the thought, she's disrespecting me. I'm not in the future because that thought brings a whole bunch of future worries. That if I let her get away with this, that, you know, she's going to grow up to be a disrespectful person. So without the thought, I really am just back in this one moment in time. Oh, we parents love to live in the future. <laughs> you know, everything has a cost of our child is going to live under a bridge one day or something. Mm. Um, and so without that thought, I'm really just in this moment, in this bedroom, in this one time. And I just feel this sense of relaxation come on. Without the thought, she's disrespecting me. It doesn't mean I'm a bad parent. It doesn't mean she's a bad kid. We really are just talking about her bedroom here. It's not the end of the world. Suddenly I feel like I've got a lot more time. It's not so tight, you know. So mm -hmm. I just feel this sense of relaxation. And the, the thing is here. Some people think, oh, is this going to make me passive? Does this mean that I let my kid get away with everything? Actually, it's the opposite. Because mm -hmm. I notice I have a lot more clarity. I'm not so reactive and crazy thinking. I can actually now speak very directly to her and say, Julia, I've noticed you still haven't cleaned your room. Can you tell me what's going on here? Mm -hmm. You know, instead of like, what are you doing? Why haven't you cleaned your room? I'm not yelling. I'm not this crazy person. I'm clear. I'm clear-minded. And so when you talk mm -hmm. about mental fitness, I, I'm healthy-minded mm -hmm. here. I'm not mm -hmm. insane with my angry, fearful thinking. Mm -hmm. The emotions aren't running the, the emotion, show. And, and yet, I can still have be in touch with my emotions. I'm not a robot mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. I just feel more settled within myself. And I'm actually able to more own my emotions to her and say, mm -hmm. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. And... Uh, upset that you still haven't cleaned your room. Let's talk about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so those are the four questions. Is that true? Can you absolutely know that that's true? How do you react? What happens mm -hmm. when you believe that thought? Who would you be without that thought? So Debbie, can absolutely. I interject? Yeah. So before we jump into the uh -huh. turnarounds, um, which is the other state step of um, the work. Yeah. Two questions come to my mind. By the way, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> um, it keeps cutting in and out on my mm -hmm. end. Um, so here are two scenarios that have been brought to my attention since um, my last presentation that I think if we could unpack them would be super helpful for moms in those early mm -hmm. stages. Sure. So the, the first is this idea that um, I need to be more present with my toddler and my children, you know, and um, the other one. So this idea about being present and that if I'm not present, I'm not a good enough mom. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that comes mm -hmm. to my mind is in that immediate postpartum period, you know, let's say the first six mm -hmm. months and you're mm -hmm. a mom who has um, a colicky mm -hmm. baby. I had one. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is awesome because that's a really hard scenario for many, many moms. And that question was brought to me just the other night. And I would like to know how you would approach that. So before I tell you my, you know, how I approached it, I'd like to know how you and self-inquiry and this idea of the work or, um, could be used in those situations and the benefit of it. Mm. Okay. So when I think back to when I had a colicky baby, 
my daughter was colicky for about six months. So got very little sleep, walking the floor all night long. Nothing mm-hmm. that I, nothing I did would stop her crying. I tried all the different holds that I read about. I went and got gripe water, everything. Nothing was working. I was at my mm-hmm. wit's end. And um, so you went to chiropractor. I did go like to a today. chiropractor. Yeah. Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. Moms go to chiropractors yeah. or they go to energy workers or cranial sacral people and um, they do different kinds of massage techniques, right? They try swaddling their babies, yeah. um, going for long car rides. Yeah, so you, you understand yes, all of that. Yes, and I had a, mm-hmm. I had a, my son was 17 months older than my daughter. So, uh, so mm. I had another baby that mm. I had to be awake for during the day. Mm. And um, so, yeah, it was a very stressful time. I remember feeling like I was going a little insane, in fact. Yes. Um, and it was funny because at the beginning I was talking to my husband about it when it happened, when it first started and it happened within about two weeks of her being born. She was really easy that first week. And then, mm. uh, she got sick and I gave her antibiotics, you know, and I believe that that's what caused our colicky situation. But, um, mm. I remember talking mm. to my husband saying, this is going to be great. I'm going to be awake with her during the night and awake with my son during the day. They'll both get alone time with me and I'll just be a little tired. (laughs) (laughs) Something about that equation sounds like a recipe for disaster. It's just so funny that I thought that I could actually do that. I think it took about two days before I realized that that's not going to work so well. But either way, it's what happened. Mm. Um, I think the thing, so first of all, what I want to say about self-inquiry is it's not about fixing us. It's not, a, yeah, Thank it's you. not about, um, oh, okay, so like that scenario that I mentioned about the disrespectful child. It's not about saying that my thought that she was disrespectful is wrong. Oh, I've got to mm. fix this thought in me. I've got to get rid of this thought. It's about actually meeting ourselves with understanding. And what I have found is the byproduct of all of this is just being kinder and gentler to myself and others. So in that scenario mm-hmm. with a colicky baby, as I'm walking that floor and I'm stressed, is uh, first of all is to, is to give myself some gentleness and some kindness and some loving care. That loving care that perhaps I, I didn't maybe receive as a child or perhaps I never gave myself throughout my life. We do a lot of this. That's why when I said I was a self-improvement junkie for 20 years, I picked up books that was all with the goal of fixing me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, need to, I need to be better. There's something wrong with me. And so when I think about me and my baby crying, I see that the stress that I'm experiencing, besides the very fact that I'm not getting a lot of sleep, is that I think there's something wrong here. There's something wrong with my child. There's something wrong with me as a mother. There's something wrong with Mm -hmm. how this is showing up. So that Mm -hmm. thing right there would be something that I would start questioning. And how would that look? So I would, for me, I would be walking Mm -hmm. the floor. So that's, I had Mm -hmm. a dining room table and I walked laps around this dining room table. It's two in the morning. My baby's crying. She's not stopping no matter what hold I do. Or maybe she stops for five minutes and starts again. There's something wrong. And I would question that. There's something wrong here. 
And I would go, is that true? There's something wrong here. And I would just meditate on that moment as I'm walking the floor. There's something wrong. My baby's crying. She's not stopping. I should know what to do. Those kinds of thoughts. Is that true? There's something wrong. And again, it's not about convincing myself that there's not anything wrong. It's about really being with me. I could even cry about it. Really being with me in that moment and seeing how frazzled I feel. When I believe mm. there's something wrong, I'm frazzled. I'm trying to fix this. There must be something that I'm not doing right. What book? I need to talk to people. I need to figure this out. Oh, my God, I'm not getting enough sleep. Tomorrow's going to be the same. I've left this moment. I'm worried that I'm never going to get any sleep. I'm thinking mm -hmm. about my child, my other child who's sleeping in the other room. I feel at wit's end. How come this is so hard? All of those thoughts are coming up and just see all that's being added on top of this baby crying. Because there's the baby mm. crying and then there's everything mm -hmm. else I put on top of it. Mm -hmm. And so then I just sit in that and I see all of the stress that ar arose with that. Now, this will take stillness, but who would I be without the thought there's something wrong and my baby's crying? And it's maybe the fifth night in a row and I've got very little sleep and I'm tired. But this time I don't have this belief there's something wrong. Hmm. Hmm. I, I mean, just listening to you, yes, if I can absolutely. interject. You know, I'm imagining and noticing some resistance, a um, bit of fear even in allowing myself to imagine that possibility that maybe that's not true. Yeah. Now, again, it's not about saying it's not true. It's just mm -hmm. about seeing who might we be in that moment. It's a thought experiment. It's we've got the hat on, there's something wrong. And I'm just going to take the hat off and put it on the hat rack for just a moment. Mm -hmm. I feel relief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, like the thought of just moving that to the side for a moment. Yeah. You know, it allows this opening for another possibility to arise. Yeah. And if mm -hmm. we stay really close to just this one moment in time, it's not about replacing it with action. It's not even about, mm -hmm. sometimes our mind goes to what I could do differently. And, and, and it's fine mm -hmm. with about that to sort of start. But really, who are you the one that now can do that different thing? Just be really close to the moment you felt relief. What did that feel like, that relief in your body as you took that hat out, there's something wrong off? It felt like, um, as I imagine that scenario, um, the relief feels like an opening, less constriction. Yeah. Um, it feels like I'm okay in that split yeah. second and now we can let that split second inform us and and um show us something different that's it it is and, and and the more you can really sit in a split second because that's if you actually hmm. get really close you can see that all we ever have is a split second <laughs> mm -hmm. the present it. moment that's mm -hmm. all that ever actually is alive ever. Mm -hmm. We bring the past and future into that split second. But really that mm -hmm. split second is all you have in any given moment anyway. 
So without the thought there's something wrong, I hear you say you're relief, relieved and you're more open. Mm-hmm. So the opposite now, the turnaround is, what would be the turnaround for you for there's something wrong? Mm. Mm. That um, nothing is wrong. Okay, so let's see now, walking the floor with a crying baby, tired. Mm. How could it be true? How could it possibly true that, be true that there's nothing wrong? Oh, yeah, I notice and I can imagine moms would feel a similar resistance mm-hmm. here. Um, like I don't, I don't even want to try to embrace mm-hmm. that idea. So what is the fear that's holding you back from doing that? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't want to accept that in this moment, this is my reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I want to believe that this, this shouldn't be happening. Yes, this shouldn't be happening would be what I would call mm-hmm. another underlying belief. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And so either <clears throat> what we could do in that moment is just I would invite you to, you know, I'd invite my client to write that down and we can explore that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes if it's okay. really pulling up a lot of resistance or we can't go forward, I might just swoop mm-hmm. right into inquiry about that. This shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. You know, who would you be without the thought this shouldn't be happening? There you are with your crying child. And this mm-hmm. time you don't believe this shouldn't be happening. So again, I'm imagining like you had mentioned putting that belief on yeah. a coat rack. <clears throat> Just, <clears throat> pardon me, hang on. <clears throat> Just um, literally imagining like I'm taking a hat off. So that, that thought, that belief, it's like it's up there in my mind yeah. area, my brain Safely, area. Safely, you can have and it back I, if you want. But yeah. for a moment, we're taking it yeah. off. Yeah, so I just sort of remove it magically and I'm placing it on this coat yeah. rack. And this, who yeah. would I who would I be if I didn't believe the thought this shouldn't be happening? Well again I notice that you know I can sink into what is happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm noted, you know, this is, I'm, I'm really going into mm-hmm. this with you. So I'm really imagining myself as a mom holding yeah. that baby. And, um, and my heart is actually feeling really tender. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling some compassion. I'm also feeling sadness and fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid. Yeah. yeah. And just breathe into that and let those emotions you know, express themselves through you. Mm. Let them have their say. Go ahead. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, for the moms out there who are listening and maybe following along or relating to this story, do you find Debbie that, you know, when we name those emotions, like I'm afraid right now that naming it is, is an important part. Mm. Yeah, either, yes, sure, naming it is good and and experiencing them. We, especially as moms, I think we're we're in the habit of just pushing them aside, especially, you know, there you are with a tantruming child or you've got, you've got (laughs) your crying baby and and your other kid is pulling at your, at your shirt and, you know, Mm -hmm. and the husband Mm -hmm. maybe is saying something 
money at the same time. There's a lot of stuff going mm-hmm. on that maybe we think, I don't have time to feel this right now. I, I've, I've got exactly. to get things done. So exactly. what I have found with inquiry is, I mean, for one, that's true. We've just got to get through our days a lot of the times. So mm-hmm. inquiry as a practice for me has been my retreats, even if it's for a half an hour that I can take the time to express and feel those emotions that I've pushed aside all day. Um, you can mm-hmm. do, I can do inquiry in the middle of a grocery store lineup. You don't have to mm-hmm. be sitting alone somewhere. I do it in my car a lot when I'm driving. I mean, Byron Katie talks a lot about putting your mind on paper and writing it out. And, and that is a really worthwhile practice. And some of us moms don't always have time for that. So mm-hmm. sometimes in a car, I'll just speak it out loud, you know, but yes, mm-hmm. naming your emotions, these things that we, um, I just don't get too attached to the naming of them because sometimes when I name it as fear, then I yeah. think I know its whole story. Oh, oh, I'm uh, afraid. That's it. I'm done. But interesting. And so I'm going to interject there because um, I also spoke about emotional fitness and I defined it as being able to experience the full spectrum of our emotional um, reality mm-hmm. without attaching a story to yeah. it. So it's more like, and, and go, yeah, I you, uh, enter, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, I was gonna say it's more like tuning into my bodily sensations is what I would more mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than labeling mm-hmm. it. Okay, yeah, so let's go back to the scenario. So um, I identified that if I thought on that this, coat rack, yeah, this shouldn't be happening. The, that's on the coat rack. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I experienced what I identified as some compassion and fear. Yeah. So what, what, mm. where does the fear live? So I was feeling it in my heart and it was like this low grade little kind of pal- palpitating jittery feeling. And what's the fear um, saying? It wants to, um, if I feel what I'm feeling in this moment, I won't be able to um, contain it. So the fear is actually connected to, I'm going to feel too much. So in this moment, as we're meditating on this moment, put that on a hat and also put that Mm. on the coat rack for a moment too. Mm. And sit a little while longer. Mm. So now I'm putting on the coat rack, the the label or the the judgment or the worry that if I feel all of this, what's happening in my heart here, if I feel it, I won't be able to contain it. It'll be too much. So I'm putting that on the mm-hmm. coat rack. I immediately heard it's okay. Yeah. And that's it. Just stay there. Because when we think... When- it's okay I don't know if did I cut out there it's okay, okay. Yeah, so you when did. we ex- mm-hmm. sometimes we experience it's okay and there's a there's a true clarity in that our mind sometimes swoops in and goes yeah but it's not going to be okay later so just mm. stay with it's okay again this is not about coming up with a to-do list of how I'm going to deal with my kid the next time this is about getting mm. to know you and getting close to you and I, I oh, the, and I heard, I heard, we're we're okay. Yeah. Even in the midst of all this chaos, we're okay. 
Oh yeah. And like, wow, like uh, this is, this is like, it's living in me as we're doing this. I'm kind of surprised (laughs) because I'm really going into this um, potential experience for so many of us moms and it's living in me right now. And like tears are starting to roll down my Mm -hmm. face and uh, like just, just the liberation of we're going to be okay. Like I'm just feeling this overwhelming sensation of love. I'm feeling that too. So this shouldn't be happening. And with that same insight that you've got going on right now, how is it true that this should be happening? Well, it's bringing me closer to my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, So it should be happening because it's helping me connect to my heart. It should be happening because it is what's Mm -hmm. happening. Um, it's connecting me to my baby. It's bringing me into the present moment. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, there's Mm -hmm. nothing like a crying baby that will keep you in the present moment. (laughs) (laughs) What a paradox. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and it doesn't mean that you still can't go to a chiropractor or whatever doesn't mean you can't still do those things but when you're not at war with what's happening when you're not battling against what is Mm. you know I can be researching and also be relaxed in the knowing that this is okay I just can imagine that if you know if we could hold this prayer for every mom out there that they could use use these incredibly incredibly hard moments um as these incredible opportunities to deepen their connection with themselves and with yes oh my goodness if we if i i mean i do wish that i had learned this earlier and i also accept that i learned (laughs) it when i learned it i learned it right on time um And I just see some of the, the, the things that I went through as a mother, as I don't know if they would have gone easier or not. I'm going to stop doing that. Okay. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Really good noticing. So um, (laughs) this is, this is the other thing. Um, Being with yourself in these ways, they're through inquiry. They can be like uh, dress rehearsals. They're not about, again, about fixing the past or about, Uh, coming up with okay that's how I have to stay in the present moment from now on this is what I have to do it's not a thing Mm -hmm. to be added to a to-do list oh my goodness we have enough on there this Mm -hmm. is like a retreat to yourself and when you talk about mental fitness now you know more about this than I do but the way that I see it is that our minds like I've got railroad tracks in my mind and they're just so used Mm -hmm. to reacting and operating in certain ways And so when Mm -hmm. I practice inquiry, the more, what you experienced, I I didn't, Mm -hmm. we weren't discussing that from the the logical brain thing. You actually experienced something different. And when you sit in the experience of it and really feel it emotionally uh, in your heart, it, for me, it's like I'm changing the railroad tracks in my mind. I would agree. And when I start to see life differently, the doing takes care of itself. Hmm. So that may sound a little bit weird, but um, so I, 
I unfortunately yelled at my children when they were little. I didn't walk around saying to myself that this is how I'm going to react to my child. I'm going to yell. I yelled Mm -hmm. as a result of what I was thinking and believing in a given moment. Mm -hmm. So we read a parent book and we say to ourselves, oh, this is how I should react. I've got to do this and this and that and the other. And then what happens in the moment when I'm believing that they're disrespectful or I'm out of control, all of that goes out the window because what I'm really believing is that I need to control the situation or what have you. And that's 100%. Exactly. And that's what I act Mm -hmm. from. Now, imagine Mm -hmm. if over time my beliefs started to shift and I started to see that I actually have no control, that I actually see my child in a different light. I see that compassion. What you experienced, I actually feel and see things differently. My reactions now will also just naturally shift. Mm-hmm. It won't be a thing that I have to concentrate on remembering to do differently. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways... Um... Well, two things come to me there. First of all, when you said, um, you know this better than me, um, is that true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Questioning mm-hmm. your... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so one of the questions that I find um, really has helped me and I share with other people is, first of all, asking yourself, what am I telling myself about this situation? So it's the same kind of idea of asking, is this true? Um, And I notice when I do that, so for example, my teenager comes to me and is asking to go to a party. And actually, I'll take it back to um, the very first time that I learned that I actually don't have control. was when my 15-year-old came to me and wanted to go for a walk with his girlfriend in the River Valley. Mm -hmm. And my response was no, <laughs> without thinking. So just one moment, you're cutting in and out a little bit. So I'm, I'm picking up mostly what you're saying, okay. but I'm missing some of it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's try this again. Um, so can you hear me now? It's now the same. But I, I, th- I think I heard same. you saying that okay. your 15-year-old son wanted to walk with his girlfriend by the River Valley. Okay. Correct. And I had said, I had said no. And he looked at me and said, why not? And in that moment, I realized I had a choice. And that choice was either to go down the path of fear and control Mm -hmm. or actually do my own inquiry and share that with him. And what happened was I asked myself, what am I telling myself about this situation? Mm -hmm. And what what I was telling myself was, I actually was afraid that she would get pregnant. Mm -hmm. I was afraid that they would behave in, you know, sexual ways that they weren't ready for. I had a judgment about that and that it would result in her getting pregnant. That's, that was the real truth. Um, And it surprised me. And so I actually looked at my son and I said, you know, I'm afraid that's why I said no. And he said to me, well, mom, why don't you trust me? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) And I said, I'm, I'm, 
I'm imagining that you're going into the river valley because the two of you want to have sex and something bad might happen that could result in her getting pregnant. And that's how far I went. And he looked at me and he said, mom, like, first of all, I'm not ready for that. So had I not even said that, I wouldn't even know if he, where he was at in his own sexual development. And secondly, he said to me, I need you to trust me. And I realized that trust is something that's granted. Mm -hmm. And that having this open conversation just by me questioning why it was that I reacted the way I reacted allowed us to engage more deeply in a relationship that was now being built on Mm -hmm. honesty. So, um, Um, I don't know no, if we went off no, on a tangent really, there. Really so. I'm just trying to weigh how to say this. Okay. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that when we can meet our children and talk honestly with what's really going on for us. For me, I found mm-hmm. my practice of this has helped me with that. Uh, I'm, I'm much mm-hmm. more in tune uh, to that. And, and as you said, you know, uh, what am I telling myself about that? That's another way of just asking, what am I thinking and believing in this moment? So what am I telling myself? Yeah. I'm telling myself they're going to go off and get pregnant or have sex or that I'm telling mm-hmm. myself my child's going to go and do drugs or whatever it is. I'm telling, yeah. if it's a two-year-old, mm-hmm. I'm telling myself that my child doesn't listen to me, that I'm a bad mother and I've got to get a handle on this, whatever it is. Yeah. That's right. And that's exactly, it's perfect. Because then you can, then you can see, oh, that's actually what's going on. It's got nothing to do with this other thing Mm -hmm. that I thought it was. That's right. And what I heard you say underlying, really, it comes down to, there's a handful of things that we're really, really thinking. And in this one, something bad might Mm -hmm. happen. That's what I heard you Mm -hmm. say. And here's what's interesting. Something Mm -hmm. bad is happening is Uh my core belief in life that I work with that was imprinted, but we won't get into that. So what's fascinating about that is I actually imposed it on my children. Yes. I mean, we, we then project it onto them and we start to get them Mm -hmm. to join the club and be afraid that something bad might happen. Totally. And this exactly. is how we pass it on. <laughs> and it's done innocently. Uh, it's innocent. This is not about saying, I, uh, oh, you know, I've been so bad by doing that. It was all innocently done. Because, you know, right. what are that's you right. trying to do with that belief? What's that belief? When, when you're believing something bad might happen, is it not about protecting your child, protecting yourself? Uh, yeah, yes, not, absolutely. It doesn't have some evil intent. <laughs> No, but when I believe that thought, yep. I'm hypervigilant, I'm anxious, I'm looking for danger, I'm um, worried all the time, I can't allow, my, like I, I'm thinking about the future versus just being present with my children. And that like, that's everything that's like, they might get sick. They might get hurt. They might fall off the swings. They might um, eat the wrong foods. They might 
be, you know, physically in danger. Like, you know, we could just go on and on. And so what are you afraid would happen if you didn't hold this belief? That I wouldn't protect them. And I wouldn't protect myself. So you can see why you wouldn't want to let it go. 100%. In that way, you're believing that it's actually keeping your child alive. Yep. And so what's it costing you, though? What's that thought costing you? A constant state of anxiety. Yeah. It's giving you that anxiety. And so mm-hmm. um, another way. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And, and like a need and over controlling, like overbearing. Yeah. Right. Like a need to a need to be right. A need to be in control. A need to be two steps ahead of it. So I'm exhausted. And in what ways do you disconnect from your son in that moment when you believe something bad might happen? I don't hear him. I don't see him for who he is. And how do you disconnect from yourself? I, I move into my mind, like my thinking, my thoughts. I, um, I need to do, like busy myself. Um, I disconnect from my body and my feelings. And so what are you failing to notice in the middle of all of that when you believe something bad might happen? What am I failing? Yeah, what are to you notice? unable to notice? As you look back on that, you saw what was going on. What mm-hmm. were you able to notice about that moment? Um, so when you ask that question, I notice a bit of confusion and I wonder if are you asking before I came to my realizations? Yeah. So when the ten- when the tension was there, when I'm believing the thought something bad is going to happen. Um, Sometimes we can't notice that our child is actually talking to us and asking us questions. And yeah, yeah, like I can't actually hear my child's yeah. ask. I hear. I hear something different and I, I can't actually notice who they are in that moment. And I, I can't even notice other possibilities or Mm -hmm. potentials. Yeah. Like with the thought, it's either a yes or a no, but without, you know, what am I failing to notice that actually there's some discussion maybe here that could be had first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm also noticing like, and, and so just to be transparent here, I, I am actually working with my mm-hmm. core belief. <laughs> um, so thank you for engaging in this, but I'm also relating it to the possibility or probability that there are many of us who have a very similar yeah. core belief. So I'm also noticing um, a, a, 
tension when you asked me, you know, first of all, what is the cost of believing Mm -hmm. that belief? And, and, and who would you be without believing Mm -hmm. that belief? I can't imagine who I would be. And that is a very fair answer. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that is a fair answer. Mm-hmm. If we've been holding that one since most likely mm-hmm. since we were in, in the, the womb, womb <laughs> that is part yeah. of who we are. It's part of how we see the world. Yes. It's part of how we, yes. we probably bring it into every interaction, mm-hmm. at least stressful ones. Yes. Uh, and, and there are times that you're not believing this. There have been times, times when you've been completely at ease and relaxed and you're not even thinking this thought. So it is possible. It's not there all the time. Mm. Mm. That is true. Yeah. That is true. So when I'm not thinking and believing yeah. that thought, I'm, I'm fluid, like mm-hmm. I'm in flow. I'm actually playful. And I laugh more. And I feel less tension. I feel way more connected and interconnected. Now in that space right there, bring in the concept of trust. What does that mean to you in that space? So two things are happening. Um, One, I'm noticing a little fluttering sensation, like it's trepidatious almost. Um, And then I also hear uh, like it just is. Like it, I just am. Like it's not a concept. It's like who or what, who or what would you be trusting in that fluid, creative place? Wow. Like what comes to me is trusting life. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my body is like tingling right now. Oh, Jesus, sorry. Yeah. Pardon my French. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. So turn around, something bad might happen. Um, Something bad Mm. won't happen. Yeah. Something bad might not happen. Something bad might not happen. That's just as possible. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, something bad might not happen. Now, it's not about the turnarounds aren't now about living in La La Land. I like that the word might is in there. That's why I wanted to keep it there. Because when you're trusting Mm. life... It might happen or it might not. Hmm. Life has your back. Hmm. 
Hmm. And, and there's a turnaround. We call it the Yahoo turnaround. And this is where we mm-hmm. really step into loving what is. Darren Katie's first book is Loving mm. What Is. That's the title. Something bad might happen. Yahoo. How is it good for you and for your son that something bad might happen? <laughs> yes. That's so funny. <laughs> like, yes. it kisses me off. <laughs> you know. You know, again, I'm just sort of wearing dual hats here. I'm also relating back to um, the crying mm-hmm. baby um, example, right? And it's like, we don't want to believe that something that is so challenging might yes. actually be good for us. Exactly. Right? Like we want to say yes. F you. <laughs> and, and how does that feel in your body, the F you resistance? Well, part of it feels familiar and part of it, it feels a little bit like a cosmic yeah. joke. And um, how is that good yeah. for us? Oh, man, it's tripping me yeah. up. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I imagine you yeah, get well, this a I lot. Mean, I sit in it with my own work. So, uh, you know, I have, uh-huh. as you know, I have this daughter who is 18 and, and she left home suddenly and uh, is from what I know, and I might not be completely accurate about it all, but from what I know, she's, you know, doing drugs and living a life of chaos. How Mm -hmm. is that good for me that now I am living the Mm. something bad is maybe happening as far as Mm. I know I'm living. Mm. Mm. How is Mm. that good for me? How is that good for her? It's good for me. For one thing, I'm really learning that I don't have control over her and her life. So So big. big. Because we parents think we have control. We think if we come up with the right magical things to say or do, or even if I'm going to express honestly about my worries, and then therefore he's not going to go do the thing. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, you know, we can do all of that. One thing that Katie has said that I just love, she said, have you noticed that when you parent rules. Oh. Oh. No, no, no. I lost you. Oh, hang on. Okay. Hang on. We Can lost you, you there. Okay. Do it. Yeah. If so we if parent from control and all of those sort of typical, you know, rules and maybe yelling and whatever way that your kid is either going to do what you say or they won't. And when you parent from peace and maybe compassion and patience or whatever way that looks, your kid is going to either do what you say or they won't. It's the same. Mm. It, and I sit in a parent group weekly for parents of children who have um, substance abuse issues. And I'll tell you that I see that in living color. A variety of families, families that were wholesome without drinking, without swearing, have a child who's a, dr- a drug addict. Parents who are come from a police family who they were very strict and taught all about the fears and dangers of drugs and they have a drug addict in their family. Parent, there's just mm. there is no rhyme or reason. Your kid is going to do what you say or they won't. So do you want it's ah oh, that's just yeah. so I'm sorry, like yeah. just pausing on that for a moment. Like 
I, and again, I'm flashing through my life as a parent. I'm sure you are as well. And, and our listeners are as well. And it's like everything we are taught, everything that we try to do from even how mm-hmm. we give birth. It's, it's like it's motivated from this place of I need to control so that they turn yeah. out okay and that they behave good, yes. <laughs> right? Like very, very yes. basic language here. But re- And so if they're not, then it's a reflection of something I did or didn't yeah. do. Yes. The biggest hurdle in those parent groups that I go to uh, in this particular realm that I'm in is about parental self-blame. And it's very different. Once they can get over that hurdle, then we can start actually doing the work about mental fitness. Because mm, mm, mm. when, when we're stuck in self-blame, then we can't really see anything else. There's nothing else available to us, really. And now that doesn't mean that we don't, because the other message might, somebody might be hearing is, well, then what's the point? Right. So I should be apathetic and, you know, for me, what I learned is that the point is about connection to myself, connection to my Mm -hmm. child. And absolutely in that place, I can put strong boundaries up for my sake. Mm -hmm. Because I know that I can't control what my child is thinking and believing in a given moment, but they're in my home and this um, behavior is either acceptable to me or not. So it's about connecting to myself, tuning into what, what boundaries I want to set. Boundaries are a natural expression of my own self-value. When I think mm-hmm. of boundaries as being something that I have to, that it's about teaching you, then I get all messed up in agenda and uh, stress and, you know, oh, you're not listening to my boundary because you don't care about me. I have no idea if you care about me. That's on you. But I know I care about myself enough to set this boundary. I care about my home enough to set this boundary for my child. So can we, can we just give an example of, you know, let's talk about the mom who has a newborn or the mom who has a toddler, you know, like five years and under and the, and the idea of boundaries when your children are needing you 24 seven. Yeah. I mean, boundaries are a little bit different under five. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but I okay. Mean, this, okay. Is, this is what I'll say about that. Like, say if you've got, if you've got someone, you know, a child that's one and under boundaries are, are not, I don't think in there at all. It, I think, I think you're actually right. Because um, when we look at it from a, a neuroscience perspective, what we know is that within that first two years, you're in a symbiotic yeah. relationship with your child, right? So you're actually sharing mm-hmm. energetic space. Let's say like you're in the yeah. same airspace. <laughs> they are an extension yeah. of you. So yeah, you're right. Boundaries wouldn't really Yeah, exist. not in the sense of behavioral modification, <laughs> right? right so no no uh, actually I was talking <laughs> yeah. to my daughter about this one time uh we were driving along and she was I was giving her advice that she wasn't asking for and she was very firmly telling me not to do that <laughs> and um and she says and, and why does it matter to you so much and and so I was explaining this feeling of yes this is somewhere I have to pull back a little bit perhaps and I was explaining how when you're a baby 
when you have a baby that, yeah, this baby's body is almost yours. And that's that symbiotic thing you're talking about, because they can't tell me that they have a diaper rash or if they're cold or or whatever. So I've got to be so tuned into my baby's body. Uh, Like you say, almost one. And that's why, Mm -hmm. sadly, maybe that the journey of a mother is filled with sacrifice. Because after Mm -hmm. that point, as you say, maybe around two, you have to start sacrificing that symbiotic relationship that was necessary for survival. And it starts with something like you're two year old, you're on the playground and you want to put the sweater on them because it's chilly and they say they're not cold and you're cold. So you say (laughs) it's cold out. You have to put a sweater on. I'm not cold, mommy. You're the one that's cold. They're perhaps not. Uh And so that's those little bit of pullbacks and letting their starting to let your child take ownership of their own body. And it takes sacrifice on a mother's behalf to allow that. And Mm. if we can do it slowly but surely throughout their lives, then maybe, I have no idea, maybe when they're 18, it's not such a big smack in the face. Because you're practicing it all through their life. You're pulling back, obviously, mindfully, responsibly, pulling back and letting your child take ownership of their own bodies and lives. Mm. And they have to fail. They have to fall in order to do that. Mistakes and failing is a part of life. And if we protect them from it, then they're not going to learn how to go out and take on life the way they need to. Hmm. That's beautiful. I was working with a, with a, a man and he was saying how he didn't want to see his child sad. And when he reacts to that belief, he literally looks away when his child is sad. He can't stand seeing the look on his face. See the the stress and the ramifications possibly of that. What are we teaching ourselves and our children about the emotion of sadness? We're displaying. And, and, And sitting in okay, I'm going to look that sadness right in the face. We all have this monster in us and I'm going to look that monster in the face. See, I don't believe self-inquiry mm-hmm. is about living in la-la land and like only peace and love and light all the time. It's about looking at our shadows right. and embracing them. Yes. Yeah, but that's maybe a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, okay, so we've been together Mm -hmm. for about an hour. So this is a wonderful, (laughs) wonderful opportunity for us to bring um, our time together to a Mm -hmm. close. And I I have a, I have a feeling we might get a lot of inquiry Mm -hmm. and maybe we'll be able to do this again with some questions that moms might have like specific questions. Right. So we could give some examples. Cause I, I think that this is such a tangible, I know for myself, when I came across Byron Katie's work, my kids were younger, like my daughter was three, and I think my son was four Mm -hmm. and six. And I came across Byron Katie's work, and it was starting to Mm -hmm. change my life. Um, Because I found it to be Mm -hmm. so tangible. It was something I could do Mm -hmm. in the moment. And I will say, though, the having a facilitator help you go deeper into the inquiry makes a huge difference. So 
that brings up my next question. Um, what is it that you offer in terms of how people could work with you if they want yeah, to? Yeah, I, I love to do workshops and such. So I, uh, if you go to my website at debbiebridge.ca, when I have workshops, that's where I list them. I love to work one-on-one with people and do just exactly what you and I were doing throughout this whole hour. Um, so people mm-hmm. can contact me again through my website and we can, uh, set up one-on-one sessions and, and my prices, uh, you know, are something that are negotiable and depending on each person's need. Um, mm. and do you work, um, online absolutely. remotely as well? Yeah, I know. And I know some people might mm-hmm. have a little resistance to that, but we can give it a go. We can do Skype, zoom, we can do phone call, just like we're doing right now, audio and, and and, uh, and mm-hmm. if you notice, really, you were able to travel, even though we were on the phone and not seeing each other's face. Um, the other mm-hmm. thing I love to mm-hmm. do, it's, it's a lot of fun, actually, is, uh, you know, the old uh, Tupperware party formula. I love to go to people's homes. Mm. So people might gather a few of their friends, just as if they were having a little Tupperware party. And, uh, and I share inquiry in, in the intimacy of your own home with your own friends and family. And, and we can do it about mm. parenting. I've worked with couples and had just a room full of couples. Um, and whatever theme would work for you. I've done it with small business owners. Um, really, inquiry mm. has no bounds as to where it can be applied. Yeah, oh, I love that. Uh, I'm, I'm even just thinking how I'd love to collaborate with you and offer a, a day-long workshop of inquiry. Yes, I love months. that. Oh, and I'm going to be at the Taste of Healing at the mm-hmm. end of the month. Uh, as you are too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes, and yeah. that's in Alberta, in, in right. Edmonton, Alberta. So for those yeah. of you who are local, um, the taste of healing and you can, you can get information about that on yes, Facebook. Right. Yeah. Okay, great. And I just, yeah, I just want to say, I'm so grateful that you were here today. I think that this conversation mm-hmm. was really powerful and meaningful and I think that it will support many of our listeners so thank you for your time and yeah thank you for engaging me in process I didn't really expect to be (laughs) doing doing the work (laughs) but I'm grateful I did and in my yeah so in my um guidebook healing after birth guidebook i i do speak mm-hmm. about the work and make reference to it and i speak a lot about getting to our core beliefs and questioning our core beliefs and um practices that can support that so um i'm so grateful for these these mm-hmm. um, processes that are available to us and you know the thing about byron katie's work that i loved is that she made her resources yeah. free. Yeah, the work.com has lots so if, of stuff on it. Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about that before, you know, as as like kind of supporting um, the work that they yeah. might do with Debbie, um, there's just so many free resources, which is Absolutely. fantastic. So yeah. So again, thank you, Debbie, for coming on this call today. And um I know that we're gonna connect and and t- talk again. Thank soon. you so much, Jennifer. You're welcome. Have a lovely day.